0: welcome listeners i am your host andrew barron and this is well it depends and in this episode we ask the question should i have a 30-year mortgage well Depends is the podcast where we present the pros and cons of financial decisions so that you the audience feel more informed and confident in your choices we are sponsored by john g allman and associates a comprehensive wealth management firm since 1978. if after listening you'd like to discuss your situation with one of our certified financial planners, please email info at jgua.com. We're recording this on February 9th, 2022. And before we begin our discussion on mortgages, a short disclaimer. The contents of this podcast are strictly for informational purposes only, and nothing said should be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. Any strategies discussed may not be suitable for listeners specifically, and so we strongly encourage consulting with your advisor before implementing any strategies to ensure they meet your individual objectives. In this episode, to help me answer the question, should I have a 30 year mortgage? We have William Post, who used to be a lending officer for a number of years and has experience helping clients obtain mortgages. Welcome, William thanks for having me andrew looking forward to this discussion approaching this question since it is a point of debate on the terms the 30-year mortgage versus a shorter term let's say compared to a 15-year mortgage let's have william start us off by comparing the hard and soft approaches of this
1: topic absolutely andrew so when i would work with either present clients or past customers of mine they would always pose the question, what is the right term for me? Just like the titling of this podcast, well, it depends. It's the truth. It depends. We have to understand what's all involved with this conversation. I liken it to uh, how individuals have soft and hard skills. Soft skills are the, the more people and life skills. Hard skills are the technical skills. So, when discussing mortgages, you have the hard information. That's that's the math behind it, which we'll discuss in just a second. And then the other part of it is the life part of it. And they don't always communicate on the same line. And depending on where you're at, we'll tip the scales as to whether or not we should make a mathematical decision or a life decision. Uh, on the math side, typically, when you go for a loan of any type, the longer the loan term, the higher the interest rate. Simply because the bank is, is accepting more risk over a longer period of time, and they want to collect that risk, basically, and they do that through higher interest rates. The inverse is true as well. The shorter the term, the lesser the interest rate. What makes this conversation so interesting, as of late, you don't see a huge difference in that gap. So as of today, a 15-year mortgage, somewhere between 3.3% and pushing 4%. Where anything above that 15 year, or so you're going 15 to 30 year, that interest rate is right at around uh, 3.9 to low fours, depending on the day. Well, this makes for a very interesting conversation because previously there was usually a much larger gap in interest rates where a 15 year loan was substantially less than a 30 year loan. Well, now the interest rates are, for all practical purposes, rather flat. So it's changed the whole dynamic of this conversation, specifically the math behind it. An observation that I have made is a 20-year mortgage, basically the same rate as a 30-year mortgage. Normally, the rates drop off in blocks of five, or that hasn't been the case recently. So if you're having the discussion whether or not I should take a 20-year loan versus a 30-year loan, well, interest rate has been an almost zero factor in that conversation. It's been mostly budget-focused uh, because there isn't an interest rate benefit in that scenario. And really, you could almost have the same argument by today's standards because a 15-year loan is only at about 3.3 and a 30-year is at about 3.9. There's not a huge gap of a difference there, which leaves room for a lot of discussion.
0: I guess I'd like to start getting into the, the comparison point of it. So if we look at it, under the microscope of how much is the loan going to cost. The 30-year mortgage over the lifetime of the loan costs substantially more than the 15-year mortgage. However, we as planners actually like to look at the bigger picture and not just the loan. So the piece that's missing from the equation is what we call the opportunity cost. So the 15-year mortgage is going to have double the premium cost essentially that the 30 year is and if your interest rate difference are low like we are in this current environment you're maybe guaranteeing yourself a three percent rate of return versus taking the risk and investing in stock market and potentially outperforming that
1: so i actually did the math on that andrew so that's a great segue if you were to take a hundred thousand dollar mortgage and do a 20-year loan versus a 30-year loan analysis. I did some of those numbers for us, and this is based off of a 20-year rate at 3.5 and a 30-year rate at 3.9. So there's a marginal difference there, marginal benefit. When you do the math out as for the monthly payment, the 30-year monthly payment is $471, and the monthly payment for the 20-year loan is $580. Which is a $109 difference. And again, this is on a $100,000 loan. Over the lifetime of those two loans, you're going to pay about $30,000 extra in interest for the 30 year loan. Sounds like a lot of money, right? $30,000 is real money, especially when comparing it to a $100,000 principal.
0: 30% However, of
1: the total loan difference. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. That's typically how it works. But if you were to take that $109 difference over 20 years and invest it in the market and only earn 5%, which is not hard to do at the moment, uh, you're going it's to less make.
0: less historical.
1: Yeah, correct. Correct. So I picked the low number. You're going to make $45,000 over that 20 years, and that's assuming you start that investment account. and you make $109 monthly payments to it. So even just right there, yes, the 30 year mortgage costs more in interest, but if you were to reallocate those dollars and put it into an investment vehicle of any type, earning 5% over that 20 year window, net positive $15,000. And that's just on the simple math portion of it. Never mind talking about how inflation plays into this, how the housing price index plays into this, how The U.S. dollar plays into this. Those are other parts of the conversation that I feel like we have to have outside of just the transactional numbers of doing a loan versus investing the dollars. The other thing I'd like to think about is no one says
0: you're trapped into only making the minimum payments if you chose that 30-year loan, right? Many times they let you pay additional principal or another trick that you hear about is paying every two weeks. So over the course of a year, you actually will get 13 full payments in instead of just 12. So that's another way you can kind of accelerate your mortgage without really putting too much difference than you are already planning on it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point, Andrew. I would frequently tell individuals that, especially with the interest rates the way they are. Again, there's not a big difference between the shorter term mortgage rates and the longer term mortgage rates. Once you put a note together, you're bound to that note. You can always pay extra. You can't pay less than the terms of that note. If you want to tackle this in 20 years, awesome. Let's put together a 30-year note and set up an automatic payment that will pay this down in 20 years. What I like about that is if life happens, you can always default back to the minimum payment. Let's say you're paying a few hundred dollars more on any given month in order to pay down the loan, but then life happens. Something happens with life where you need the budget freedom. Maybe you're changing jobs and there's a lag in your paychecks. Maybe you've had some unexpected medical costs and you're having to pay co-pays more than you normally do. Maybe your auto insurance went through the roof because your child had an accident or you added a child to your policy and now you know your budget which was really friendly before now just got rocked well now you can go backwards you have that kind of savings window there that you can utilize now whether it's temporary or long term you have the flexibility to make that choice it's a, it's the same conversation even with life insurance you know getting a larger policy in life insurance and then and then over time maybe shrinking that death benefit as needed versus having to increase the death benefit. You know, the only only way you're gonna change the policy or change the mortgage is to rewrite it. And those are always at a future date where the numbers are unknown. They could be higher, they could be lower. And we have to make decisions based off what we have in hand today because the future is unknown.
0: We've been discussing longer term loans. I wanted to get into some of the more obscure ones or I guess uh, uncommon ones such as you know, maybe 5-1 ARMS, those adjustable rates. Could you talk about when those fit people better versus these 30- and 20-year mortgages we've been talking about?
1: Sure. So those types of loans tend to be a little scary for most people. Most people like a fixed interest-rated note because there's no chance of it changing down the line. It's easy to budget for. It's easy for us to wrap our heads around. There's fewer moving parts. But a one, a three, a five-year arm, they're not bad options, particularly in a lower interest rate environment. For a one-year arm, your loan is fixed. Your interest rate is fixed for one year, and then the financial institution will, will put an index around it at the uh, after 12 months where the rate may go up or down potentially based off of whatever whatever that bank uses to set that index. And it can only go plus or minus by a fixed amount. You know, you're not going to go from paying 3% typically to 10% after that time horizon has expired of one year, three year, five year, whatever you have set up. Where are these a good fit? Well, the rates that we were just discussing are part of the conforming market. And with the conforming market, your house, your credit, your debt to income all these things have to fit within a nice little box in order to qualify for those rates well sometimes that's not the case perhaps you're buying a house that needs some fixing up and it has some details to it right now that exclude it from being qualified from those markets some examples could be uh, maybe the type of siding Maybe the type of wiring that's in the house. Maybe it's unfinished. Maybe it's, you know, the, uh, a contractor started the house but never finished the house. You know, it has to be a finished property to conform. Maybe there's too much land associated with it. Not all conforming markets like houses that are on large pieces of land. You know, these are, these are all things that kind of fall outside of the conforming rules. Well, that's when these other loans... May be advantageous. They're typically an in house product, so the underwriting process is typically less than a conforming product. They also give you a window to be able to maybe make the house conform. So if if the house needs finished, you sign up for a one or three year arm, which gives you a time window to be able to fix the house. And then before it adjusts, you refinance it to a conforming rate. That's one example that you can do. But let's say that it doesn't have to do anything with the house. Maybe it's more credit sensitive. Maybe your credit score isn't as high as it would need to be to be able to qualify for those conforming rates. So, for example, typically the cutoff is, you know, if you're able to have a 680 or above score for credit, you're typically able to, to qualify for the better rates. But life happened and you have a lesser score. Maybe credit cards are bringing you down. Maybe there's some mispayments on a school loan that are accidental, but it happened. They went 30 days past due. Maybe some unwanted medical bills showed up on your credit report. These are all things that are very practical and they happen to good people. It's not always bankruptcies on your credit report and that's why it's tanking down. Some of these are just real life situations. Maybe your credit score is at a 650 and you're not able to qualify for those great rates. But you can qualify for a one year arm. And then during that period, we work together to increase your credit score to where it needs to be. And then we rewrite the loan and get you a fixed rate. Sometimes these arm rates are actually better than the, what's going on in the conforming market. You can get yourself a 15, 30 year mortgage at three and a half, four 4%. Well, maybe there's a, there's an offer right now, but two and a half percent one year arm. Well, if you're if you're buying a house, but you know you're only going to be there short term, and it's within that one year, three year window, well, take advantage of the lower rate and the lower closing costs. Typically, that's assuming you know that you're only going to be there temporarily, or maybe you're you're buying a house and you have intention of transferring it to your children in the future. You know, so you're buying it, you know, you're going to be transferring it to them within that time window. Well, take advantage of of some of these other programs that are out there. We don't have to be fixed loan or nothing in order for it to be a good fit and a valuable option for you.
0: That was a good summary. I think especially because people, I think, almost default to those earlier options. um, It's good to give some perspective. I think especially the one about people that might be buying into hot job markets where the rentals are really high and maybe they don't anticipate staying for 10, 20 years, but long enough that maybe it makes sense to buy a home. Uh, the adjustable rate mortgages really might be much more preferable, so it's definitely something to consider.
1: That's that's even an interesting topic too. If you had to guess, Andrew, how long would you say the average person owns their home hmm. in America? I think it's eight years. It's sixteen. Okay. And the average individual will go through three homes in a lifetime. Hmm. Which to me paints a whole different perspective picture as well, talking about I mean this is where the hard numbers and the and the life the soft life parts really come together, right? You're signing up for a loan, what's the probability that you're actually going to be paying that thing off? Low. <laughs> it's really low. Yeah. I mean, even if you're signing up for a 20-year loan, on average, we're selling our houses every 16 years. So you're not going to be able to, you're not going to see the end payoff of that. So, and, and while that's going on, mind you, your house has been appreciating typically. I looked up recently where there was a chart and it showed the inflation rate over the past 30 years. It also compared that to the housing price index. Well, the housing price index has outperformed inflation substantially over that whole time. Even when we had that, when was it 2008, 2010 mortgage crisis period where, mortgage, where, uh, where housing prices tanked, it never fell below the inflation rate, which means even when things, now this is just over the past like 30 years, which means that during that time, like houses have appreciated and kept up with inflation. And right now inflation is a really hot topic because right now inflation is at what's it six seven percent right now but Depends, which is abnormal yeah yeah depending how you measure it uh but over over the past 30 or so years it has been in between what one and three percent on the high side
0: well let's say especially since 2008 we've been at very low prices so nearly 20 yes yeah
1: yep. and that's and that's important because if Particularly when when you're talking about, what you say, opportunity cost earlier? Mm -hmm. Yes. let's Let's talk about how time value of money and how this plays into interest rates, right? So typically, inflation and the dollar value, they kind of work against each other. So when inflation is high, your dollar is worth less. When inflation is low, your dollar is worth more. What's that mean practically? Well, the dollars you have today. Are worth more than the dollars you have tomorrow when it comes to spending power, and we're talking about budgeting. And we all, and you know, if we, if we think about it, that makes sense. I look at how much I used to pay for my cell phone bill back when cell phones first came out, compared to how much I'm paying now. I'm paying a lot more now than I did then, right? Well, how does this how does this relate to mortgages? When you sign that dotted line, you're signing at today's dollar cost. It's locked in. Over time, things are gonna be more expensive. If you're able to lock yourself in to a three and a half percent rate, like that's on today's dollar. So it's really important that we have that budgeting conversation and we're just, we're intentional and we're smart with with our dollars because we have to reallocate those dollars to make up for future expenses. And again, houses have traditionally appreciated faster than inflation. So know that while you're paying down your debt, every payment you pay, a portion of that goes to principal, which means your your balance is less. All while your house is slowly appreciating, assuming, assuming all things considered, which puts you in a more equitable position. There's so many layers to the budgeting conversation when trying to figure out these long-term debts and other areas to put monies. I'm sure you can give examples of working with clients, particularly in their, in their later years, where maybe a mortgage made sense or keeping the mortgage made sense versus paying it down.
0: It's actually funny you mentioned that. There was a couple I was working with where they had a, quite an expensive property that because of the value was quite a big portion of their total assets and They probably could have stayed in the home and, you know, with Social Security, cobbled together, you know, an okay retirement. However, especially because we locked in interest rates at a very low rate, taking equity and doing a cash out refinance uh, made a ton of sense for them because because we got a low rate. We expect over the long term to easily outperform the interest rate and to be able to pay for those mortgage payments out of the cash flow. They were older, so as you were kind of talking about, we don't really plan on paying this mortgage off in 30 years since they probably won't live that long, but for their lifestyle and for their lifetime, everything should work out very nicely for them. So that is it is something to think about. Um, you accumulate lots of wealth in your house, so sometimes people do reverse mortgages, but that, that can have some other risks associated with it. But doing a traditional mortgage, or cash out refinance might be a possible strategy as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Especially if you have a home and you're not really looking to sell the house or move out of the house and you don't have family members that want your house, but maybe there is a way to tap into that value, liquidating that value, because I'm sure your kids are more interested in the cash than the actual home right so how do we improve the cash
0: there's also probates uh, you know giving a house has much there's some a process involved versus just selling giving someone cash
1: absolutely absolutely
0: we've been talking about low interest rates and i think you even mentioned that the difference between a 20 and 30 year can be almost negligible however in the recent musings of the Fed last couple of weeks, we've talked about interest rate increases, three, five, I've heard as high as seven rate increases over the course of the year. So besides the bond market, this is really going to see is increases in mortgage rates. So the difference between a 30 and a 15 year might actually make, you know, the calculus on that might seriously change 12 months, 18 months from now. So while we're talking about these differences now, we might if you listen to this podcast a year from now, the differences might actually make sense to go with a 15 year at that point, depending on the difference in interest rates. So it is always important to think about the you know, the time period you're in and what makes the most sense for you. It kind of goes back to how we started this, right?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, most folks I've worked with, they're usually proud to share the stories of, you know, I'm amazed that I'm I'm getting an interest rate now of three and a half percent. Cause I remember when I bought my first home 20, 30 years ago and it was 14%. At the same time, my CDs in my bank were also earning 15%, right? And so that that shows to your comment about understanding the timing that we're in. You can't have the same. 30-year debts are all bad, short-term debts are all good, without understanding the time window in which, which you're in. Because if we go back to something that would resemble more of where we've been in the past, you know, we're going, we're, going, we're going back a long time, mind We've been in a low interest rate market for a while now. And we've always talked about, well, the rates have to go up, right? They have to go up. Well, they haven't. Now that we've just put all the stimulus money into the economy, the government and the fed they have to account for that. So now we're at the most realistic point that we've ever been where it's very likely that interest rates will go back up. It does change the di- the dynamic of the conversation compared to what we said previously. But at the present it makes for a very interesting conversation and there's a lot more opportunities in a low rate environment than there are with a higher rate environment. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a great topic and I look forward to the next one.
0: In conclusion, questions you should be asking yourself are, what are my money priorities? Do I want lower monthly payments or do I want a lower interest rate? And this question has to be balanced with, what other opportunities am I giving up by putting a lot towards home costs? Then there are lifestyle priorities. Remember that a longer term mortgage has lower monthly premiums, but you can pay more. This gives you flexibility. So the question you should be asking yourself is, are you interested in this flexibility? Um, Another question you should be asking is how long do you realistically think you're going to live in the current home? And then another question is, if you're considering 30-year mortgages would be, would you have trouble obtaining a 30-year mortgage? And would you possibly be better suited by a different loan? So to answer the question, should I have a 30-year mortgage? Well, it depends.